Welcome back, Higher Vision Choir. Thank you so much. Yay. It doesn't sound like you took any time off at all. You spent the whole time rehearsing. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was beautiful. So here we are talking about uh, spiritual stewards of the planet. That's September's theme. And um, today we're talking about spiritual law. Order is next week. Law and order. I want to hear the dun-dun, you know, anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. But today is spiritual law, spiritual law. And now Ernest Holmes talked about the law a lot, right? He, he talked about love and law, you know, and, um, and he said actually toward the end of his life, he said if he had it to do over again, he would have talked more about the love and less about the law because he said, well, I thought people knew about love, you know. I didn't have to talk about that. So he, he spent most of his time talking about the law. But here's the thing. It is, uh, as, as Ernest Holmes discussed, love points the way and law makes the way possible. That's the way he described it. And he used as that illustration the teaching symbol, you know, the big circle with the V in it and the three aspects. And, and, and he referred to it also as this, that, that love is the great impulsion of creation, right? Love is the great impulsion. Law is the great propulsion. So it gets things done. It is the doer, right? Where love is the one that points the way. Love is the idea that we have, then, and law is the way that that idea comes into form. And so, you know, what he meant was the love is our passion. It is our desire. It's our goals, our dreams, our what's on our heart, you know. And what we want to experience next in our physical life. And the idea of the law being universal subjective mind. That aspect of God that is subject to the idea. Universal subjective mind is the law. And that law is subject to what is placed into it. And he described it as seed, soil, and plant, right? So the seed is the idea. The soil would be the law. It is that thing that receives the impress of our thought and goes to work immediately out picturing it. No questions, no judgments, no comments, no wondering whether or not we deserve it. It is simply a mindless doer that goes to work out picturing those predominant thoughts that we have. So, it, it, you know, it, it outpictures what we hold in mind as our greatest next thing. So love and law, that's the way it works. And that is the law. That's how Ernest Holmes described the middle part of that divine creative process, right? That, that teaching symbol that he created. That is the middle part as he described it. That is the law. And if you're going to think about it in capital letters, <laughs> you know, that is the law. The integral way in which thoughts become things, right? And that's what we know in religious science. Thoughts become things. Ernest Holmes said, change your thinking, change... Uh, Change your hair, change your life. No, change your thinking, change your life. I knew I knew it. Okay, this is how energy moves along from first cause through this subjective medium and finally to manifestation in the physical world. It is the way spirit creates and it is the way we co-create using that same divine principle, using that same process. And so... I think about that's the way spirit created everything. That's how the manifest universe came into being, 
right? What did they say? The first thing was the Word, right? And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And so the Word was creation, and that's what happened. So, so you know, the universe was birthed into form, and it continuously creates new form. Spirit is forever creating new form, abandoning old form, creating and creating. That's what it does, right? That is the way spirit creates, and that's how we co-create our own little lives. But there are other laws or principles I'd like to spend some time talking about because uh, when the universe was birthed into form, it came into form with certain laws, right, of the way things work. There are natural laws, there are physical laws, and there are spiritual laws as well. And they all came into being with the manifestation of a physical world. So let's start with the physical laws, right? Let's go all the way back. I'm going to take you all the way back now to Archimedes, right? (laughs) Third century BCE, water displacement. I think that was like the first really physical law that was written down, that was observed and proved by experiments after experiments after experiments, because that's that's what scientists do. So Archimedes, water displacement. It says that a body partially or totally immersed in fluid, right, experiences upward thrust equal to the weight of the fluid displaced by it. I know, boring stuff, but who took physics in high school? Yes, yay? Okay, there you go. So you got it, right? And then what comes after that? There's Newton's law, right? Some more physical laws for you. Bodies at rest tend to stay at rest, right? Force equals mass times acceleration. And for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Those are the three laws that Newton came in. Avogadro's law. Anybody took chemistry in high school? It's a chemistry thing. Avogadro's number right, where all, all, what is it, all volume of gas under the same conditions of temperature and pressure contain an equal number of molecules, right? And what is that number, you ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd. That is a lot of molecules. But anyway, so there are all sorts of laws in the physical world, right? Because when the world came into physical being, it had to come with sets of laws to keep the thing going, right? Like in our continent, you know, air, air travels across the continent from west to east, all kinds of things. All kinds of laws were set in motion to create the order in the universe. There's Boyle's law and Charles' law and Graham's law. Look them up. There's a whole bunch of them, you know? This sounds more informative than inspirational. Sorry, we're getting to that. But, <laughs> but the takeaway is scientists began with a supposition, right? A thesis. Scientists experiment with it over and over and over to just keep seeing that they're going to get the same results over and over and over. And based on that, their thesis and their supposition will become a a law. It becomes principle. It becomes universally accepted that, yeah, this is the way it works. Like gravity, right? We had to discover the law of gravity. It's always been there. We didn't make it. We didn't create it. Gravity's already been there. We We had to discover it. We had to align with it. We had to use it to our advantage. That's how, that's how we evolve as a, as a people, right, to be able to align with these, these physical laws and use them. Um, and, and like I said, we don't make them. We experiment with them, right? We prove the principles to ourselves for human advancement, right? So if, you, <laughs> so if you research spiritual laws on the, on the internet, you'll find all kinds of answers too, you know? Just like there's a whole list of 
physical laws that are in place that we keep proving over and over to ourselves. There are spiritual laws. And, and the same thing is true of them, that they have always existed. It is up to us to discover them, to align with them, and to allow them to outpicture in our lives in a way in which we want to evolve. So I did research on spiritual laws, and you know what I found? I found that there are four spiritual laws. No, wait, there are 10 spiritual laws. No, wait, there are 12 spiritual laws. Keep searching. There are 30 spiritual laws. I beg to differ. No, no, not 10 or 20 or 30. There are 300 spiritual <laughs> laws. So, here, you know, bottom line is no matter where you go on the Internet, everybody has their own idea of how many and which ones they are. From four all the way up through, I think the largest number that I saw was 303. Where that number came from, I don't know. But... But what I did in the research was sort of compiled a list of the ones that showed up most frequently on everybody's list, you know? And so I want to talk about those because those spiritual laws are just as powerful. They have been around just as long as the physical ones. And these are the ones that we can align with and change our lives by utilizing, again, for, for human advancement, right? So coming, reading extensively of all these laws, I came up with my top seven. And, and the first one, and the one that showed up basically on everybody's list, is the, the law of oneness. The law of oneness. Very much the same as, as a, a religious science core concept number one. You've heard me talk about core concept number one. God is all there is. Well, that law of oneness says the same thing. There's only one thing. Ernest Holmes put it like this. One life behind all that lives. One, 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 never two. The unity of all life. To learn this is to know a secret of the ages. It's only one life. It's only one energy. We share it, you know. It just is the truth behind everything. Everything is energy, whether it's matter or out of matter, right? It's just energy. We're all energy. The planet is energy. The solar system, the, the universe, it's just energy. It's, an, it's just energy. That's all it is. And we're, we're saying that that is the divine intelligence of the universe. So there's only one. So this law of divine oneness states that everything is made up of the same thing. The one thing that created everything. Created it out of itself. Never being absorbed by itself. So anything in the physical manifest universe has to be made of that stuff. And so that is the law of oneness. And, and I kind of agree with that. Do you agree with that? It's just one stuff. It's just energy. That's what it is. And the second law is the law of vibrational frequency. And I'm sure you've heard a lot about that, right? How we, how we vibrate, how everything vibrates. You know, everything's in constant movement, constant motion. Our little electrons are just spinning around like crazy around every atom of our body, right? Planets are spinning around stars. Everything is in movement. Everything vibrates and everything vibrates at its own frequency. And we attract into our experiences those things that are a vibrational frequency match for us, right? Whether it's high or low. We attract things into our experience that are a match for the vibrational frequency we're at. 
This goes back to the like attracts like thing, which always confused me. I don't know about you, but it sort of confused me because I always thought of mag magnets. Like doesn't attract like in magnets. They attract opposites, right? Different poles, the polarity. But that's another law. I'm not talking about that one. But like attracts like, sort of like receptor sites on our body. We have a receptor site. It attracts a like molecule. So that's what we're talking about here. Vibrational frequency. We are a match for things. When we're, when we're vibrating at a higher level, we, we attract those things. When we're vibrating at a lower level, we attract those things. No reward, no punishment. It's simply a vibrational match. The third law is the law of correspondence. This is like, you know, old as dirt, too. All, all of these laws, you know, we've discovered them thousands and thousands of years ago. The law of correspondence is just saying that our outer world is nothing more than a reflection of our inner world. All right? As within, so without. I think Plato discussed it, right, with the shadow on the wall story. As within, so without. Everything in our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. So if things are going on out there that you are having difficulty dealing with, the, whole, the first thing is to go within, to go to prayer, to go to meditation. Because things have a tendency to be a reflection of what's going on in our inner life. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, there's a law of correspondence for every external fact there is an inner thought pattern which exactly corresponds to it. This is why Jesus said when we pray, we must believe that we already received what we ask for. In this way, we are thinking in terms of the absolute and not the relative. Right? Does that make sense? Because in the absolute, it's already there. Right? If, if energy is all there is, and it's, and it's limitless, it's infinite, then whatever it is you're praying already exists in the mind of God. It already exists. And so that's why all, when you listen to practitioners pray, they always pray in the present tense. They always pray it is. It is, because actually somewhere in the mind of God it is, is. I don't know if that's a sentence. Anyway, you know what I mean. So, so this law of correspondence awakens us to what's going on in our own mind, right? If we're seeing stuff around us that we're not real thrilled with, we know that it's time to go within and figure out what's going on. What are we attracting and why? What's in our mind? What's our most predominant thought? Because sometimes those things, just when you're not thinking things or you're not thinking you're thinking, you're thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. You know, you know. It's like those idle, what's considered idle thoughts, but they're not really idle at all, are they? If they're, if they're your predominant thoughts. So, so the law of correspondence, so what's going on within just continues to outpicture around us. Number four, now you know you're, you, you're very familiar with number four. It's the law of attraction. Woo! Everybody heard about that one. It was really big around 07 and 08. Remember the movie The Secret? Oh, my God. Everybody talked about the law of attraction. It was so huge. Energy flows where attention goes. That became like the big catch-all phrase. Ernest Holmes said, we are thinking, choosing centers of awareness. That's all we are. We're just, like, we're just like buckets of energy. Don't you love it? We are thinking, choosing centers of awareness in this mind. And according to the sum total of all of our thoughts, we are either silently attracting good to us or repelling it from us. 
Because what? Because God is good. There is no good and evil, right? We talked about that. There is no duality. There is God, and God is good. God is the good that there is no opposite to. So we are either attracting it into our experience or we are repelling it from us. <sighs> I loved that movie, but it didn't really tell the whole story, did it? There was more to that law of attraction. Anyway, number five. You didn't think that there were this many, did you? Goodness gracious, I didn't. Anyway, the law of inspired, and I just did the top seven. The law of inspired action. And I love this one because it goes right with the law of attraction. This is the law of inspired action is the move your feet part. You know how Ernest Holmes said treat and move your feet? He talked about do the prayer, but then there are action steps for you to take. Like if you're going to pray for a new job, you know, you're going to pray for a new job and go, yeah, it's done in the mind of God, and then sit in your apartment and not do anything, wait for the phone to ring. It, it might be a, a bit of a wait, you know. But the inspired action part might be, I don't know, fill out an application, you know, send in a resume, do something. Inspired action. I love this one. This is the move your feet part. And Ernest Holmes said that there was always something for you to do right? Treat and move your feet, that there is an action step to take after we've meditated to know what we want to meditate, I mean, what we want to manifest, right? We meditate to know what we want to manifest. Pray, which directs the law on our behalf, then there is an action step we take for the direction of that desire. There's always something we can take. The next one is six, the law of cause and effect. And this is a little different. Ernest Holmes had a little different take on this one. You know, we, we usually think of cause and effect as like we do something, something happens, right? We do something, something happens, cause and effect. But, but remember, first cause creates the effect, right? So if we think about the teaching symbol again, let's go back to the teaching symbol. The top part of it is first cause. So... So first cause is the thing that creates the effect. It may be something you do. It may be something you know. It may be something you're placing into the law that creates an effect. Because everything in the manifest universe is an effect. Everything. Except for first cause. Even the law that we're talking about is an effect. It's an effect of first cause. Ernest Holmes said this in Questions and Answers. He said, the sequence of cause and effect is, first, pure intelligence. Next, an inner movement of this pure intelligence as idea. Then the movement of idea upon substance. And then finally, the passing of substance into form. So that's the cause and effect he's talking about. He's talking about the divine creative process from thought to thing. And that's the way we should think about cause and effect in our own lives. What are we putting into the law? What are we putting into the law with our thoughts? What is that most predominant thought that we are holding? Life is joy. Life is work. <laughs> right? Life is amazing. Life is drudge. What are we putting into that Law, from our own first cause. So then number seven, here we go, we're finishing up. <laughs> the law of compensation. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote a whole essay on it, if you'd like to read it. <laughs> I think it was in the book essays, as a matter of fact. 
Ralph Waldo Emerson, in his essay, Compensation, wrote that each person is compensated in like manner for that which he or she has contributed. Hmm. Now that is both the blessing and the curse, isn't it? <laughs> what have you contributed lately? Right? What have you contributed? Because if it's cranking and complaining and whining and snarky, you'll be compensated for that as well as if you are volunteering and serving and sharing your good, you'll be compensated for that as well. Very similar to the law of attraction, but keep in mind that compensation comes in many forms. Compensation comes in many forms. So the idea that, oh, I'm going to give away, you know, $10 million and I'm going to get $10 million, well, sometimes the law of compensation doesn't work that way. Sometimes you get a $10 million experience. <laughs> I'm not saying what it is, but, <laughs> but, but that's what the law of compensation says, that we are compensated and those compensations come in many forms. And Ernest Holmes said this, poise or balance is the law behind what we call the law of compensation. It is life perfectly balancing itself. So that does mean that what you do comes back to you in some form or another. So those are my top, ten, top seven favorites. Like I said, if you go on the internet, holy moly, you will find uh, law after law after law. I mean, we only talked about the top seven, but there's the law of request, the law of resistance, reflection, projection, the law of attachment, attention, the law of flow, the law of abundance, the law of clarity. I could go on. The law of attention and prosperity and manifestation and success and just, just a whole bunch of them, right? More laws than I can possibly name here on the platform. I'll put you all to sleep. But just know know that these spiritual laws are very, very much like physical laws, that they're here, that we align with them or we work against them and make things more difficult, right? It is, it is again, like gravity, like electricity. What did they say in the, in the movie, the, uh, the Secret, right? Electricity can cook your food or it can cook the guy, you know, it doesn't care. It's just the law of electricity outpicturing in our lives. The law of attraction doesn't care what it attracts into your life. It has no thought process about it. It's just returning to us what we believe. It's gratitude, the law of gratitude, the law of blessing, the law of decree, the law of faith, the law of grace. <sighs> anyway, here's the thing about all of it because I could go on and on. Like I said, 303. I found 303 spiritual laws. But one of the biggest things Ernest Holmes told us to do was to stay out of the how. Stay out of the how. The how is not our business. The how is the domain of spirit. And these are spiritual laws, and they do what they do, and it is our job to align with them, to be in alignment with them, so that, the, so that the demonstration in our lives is a demonstration we love and we desire, and, and it's fulfilling, and, it's, and it satisfies a goal we have. That's why we align with these, spiritual, with these spiritual principles, but not necessarily to know the how of any of them. We are told to stay out of the how. Ernest Holmes said this, he said, law controls everything, absolutely. 
But we are not as apt to realize that the law itself is an effect. Did you ever stop to think that not only is the planet an effect, that is, the planet did not make itself, it is just an effect. When you do, you will see it is governed by law. It is made by law. But that law which governs the planet is also an effect. The law did not make itself either. The law is not intelligence as causation. It is the result of intelligence as causation. So we are one part of the effect and we are able to align with and utilize for our good another effect. And behind all of it stands first cause. We don't have to identify which law we are using, although it's fun. I didn't bore you with the other 200 and, anyway, 90, 97. However, it's not, it's not necessary that we know which law we're using in order to make use of it, right? We don't have to know that. We don't need to know whether we are utilizing the law of attraction or we're activating the law of compensation. We don't have to know it in order to utilize it, to align with it, to have it out picture somehow in our lives as an improved condition, right? Don't need to know. Again, I go back to what Ernest Holmes said, stay out of the how. And I love that. But what Ernest Holmes did said is you have to use them. You have to use them. It's not enough that we get together here on Sundays and talk about them. This is a practical spirituality because it says so right on that banner. <laughs> Transforming lives through practical spirituality. This is a practical spirituality. Ernest Holmes said, use them, test them, experiment with them, prove the principles in your, in your life, prove them, right? I gave you seven of them. You can go out today and just... Start playing with them. Start proving them in your life. Who, who here has taken foundations class? Keep your hand up. Put your hand up. Okay. Now, keep your hand up if, as a result of foundations class, you had a life-transforming experience in foundations class or as a result of foundations class. Look at this. This is what these principles do for us. Yes? Thank you. Put your hand down. This is what this philosophy is about. It is about changing our lives for the better. It is a practical spirituality to improve not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. When we get clear, when we, when we prove the principles to our satisfaction, that we rely on them all the time, then we're in alignment with them and they change our lives, don't they? They change our lives. It's just like when you're in alignment with gravity, you don't step off the roof of your house right? Wondering, this time, will I float or will I fall? Hmm, let me try it out. Let me test it. No, we've already proven those to our satisfaction, I hope. I hope, right? Gravity and electricity and light. We've already proved those principles to ourselves. So it's about proving the spiritual principles so that we can count on them, rely on them just the same way. Just the same way. We don't need to know the names of them. But we do need to test them, try them, prove them, work all week long. It's just not enough to sit around on Sunday and talk about them. We need to put them to work in our lives to expect them to outpicture as improved circumstances and conditions because that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the effect. So this week, 
Yeah, this week, this is your charge, because next week, like I said, we're doing the end order part. So this is the law. Next week is the order. We're going to put it together. So this is your week to go out and try them. You don't have to worry about what the names are. Try them. Test them. Put them to work in your life. Prove the principles work. Demonstrate. I don't know. Put something into the law. What would you like to demonstrate this week? Something. What? Even something a little personal. I'm going to have somebody who's going to buy me a cup of coffee, you know? I mean, start there. Start with just a small little thing. I'm going to do that this week, you know? This is what I'm going to demonstrate. Something. And, and come back with those stories next week because you know that this is a practical spirituality. We are here together to prove that these principles work, that they outpicture in our lives according to our most predominant thoughts, and we can align with them to improve our lives. That's what we're doing. I will see you Sunday, and I want to hear back, okay? Thank you.